0: Our scripture reading this morning comes from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly, solemnly urge you, proclaim the message, be persistent, whether the time is favorable or unfavorable, convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but having itchy ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to miss. As for you, always be sober, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, carry out your ministry fully. This is the word of God for the people of God.
1: To God. You may be seated at this time. With um, every sermon that, that I preach, I, I think you know by now, I always like uh, to give you something to think about Uh, I'm just that's just generally what kind of person I am when I read something I'm I'm what you would call a deep thinker Um, and you know with my preaching I want to engage everyone else not to just hear the word uh, and say well that sounds great I I accept it I want you to think about um, think about the word and what it means and if you really you know get a grasp on this even do I believe do I accept this word um, that is coming from the pulpit, because I think one, one of the things that has been detrimental to people in general uh, across, well, in this day and age, is that we hear things, okay, and we just, we just accept things without questioning things and I think that is a very dangerous ground for any individual to be on and what you know when it comes to Christianity um, the the propensity is to go to church hear the message accept the message message leave accepting the message and then we don't question it but I I think that again is very dangerous ground to be on for any individual because you have to think for yourselves And that's one of the reasons why I encourage you with every single sermon that is preached, wherever you hear it from, whoever you hear it from, question it. Question it. Weigh it against what you read in Scripture. What are your thoughts? Pray on it. And it is so important. Well, today I I, want to give you just another thing to think on. And if you um, look at the sermon title it's, it's quite odd, right? Um, living in paradox, and we're going to really look at that today, but we're going to spend a good amount of time looking at the world and um, what we see, and we're going to like, kind of look at it in a, with, with critiquing eyes as Christians, and then we're going to hopefully have a really strong response to that, but I want to encourage you to continue this conversation well beyond the sermon. In other words, don't let the sermon fade the further away you drive from church, all right? Okay, so it's really important that you live this out. Well, I'm going to say something I think we can all agree on here. I grew up in a world that looks very different than the world looks today. Can you Do you agree with that? That the world looks very different today than the one you grew up in? And if so, raise your hand. Let me see some hands here. Yeah, that's just not some hands. All right, that, that's a lot of hands going up. And I'm saying this because the world I, I grew up in... I generally viewed as normal, if asked, what is the world like that you grew up in, it it was normal, okay, and yeah, this is not me denying that there were certain things going on in the world that were a bit strange, but still, generally speaking, the world I grew up in was normal. Yes, there were, like, inventions coming up and they were interesting and we got to see how those things can change, you know, the environment and the culture that we live in. But, again, generally speaking, the world could be described as normal. So what am I getting, getting at here? Well, I, I have twin boys. Many of you know that. Um, and they're 19. They're going to be 20 years old soon. And Evelyn and I were having dinner with them. Um, at at some point in this year we got to a conversation about the world and what it looked like to them and when we asked them what they thought of this world they both said that the world seems like a very strange place to them the world is odd it wasn't normal they're not explaining things as normal and this isn't the first time I've heard this from the younger generations If you ask, the answer is gonna be like, it is very odd, it is very strange. I don't know where to fit in. I don't know what to make of it. It is a very weird place. And it's happening all around us. And what is revealing about this age group, per se, my kids being 19, 20 years old, is because I used to think that the world always seemed normal to kids. No matter how weird it was around them, they would explain it as normal because they were just young. All right, And they just generally say, well, this is just the way it is around us. But it turns out, you know, from my conversations, this is not, this is not necessarily true. That even the children today are looking around at the world saying, this is weird. It's very strange. There's nothing normal going on anymore. So it really doesn't have, that. that's revealing because it really doesn't have a lot to do with age. That even our children can see it. They spot that something is off. Gee, I wonder why that is. And it's because generally speaking, the world is it's very strange now. So if the world is not normal, what is it? Well, there's this term I believe sums up this day and age we are living in, and the word is paradox. Paradox. That's a big word. Um, a paradox is something that can be both true and false at the same time. That's what a paradox is. Focus on this particular definition here. Um, Despite sound rational explanations, that you can explain something and look at that and explain it in a certain way. Despite sound rational explanation, it leads to something that is self-contradictory. Here are a few paradoxes just to get, you know, get a hold on this here. You ready for this? The more you learn, the more you realize how little you know. That's a paradox right there, all right? How can be the more you learn, the less you know? But that seems to be the truth in that situation. Here's another one that'll, that'll get you. Failure leads to success. What? What does failure have to do with success? That's a paradox, that we hear all the time. How about this? This is a really good one. Um, The more choices you have, the harder it is to what? To choose. And if you can't grasp that one, just go to like any of the aisles um, at the grocery market, right? You stand there, you know, you see how many coffees there are to choose from? Okay, here's a mind-blowing one. I used to think there were like only two choices of milk. Now they have like a whole wall full of different choices of milk, for goodness sakes. And you're standing, you're like, man, which one do I choose? (laughs) Okay. So it turns out the more choices that you have, okay, the harder it is to choose things. That is crazy. I remember, uh, this is going to just really date me. I remember the days of Blockbuster when the thing to do was go to pick out a movie and there were so many choices there, it just threw you off. So you just picked the one with with the coolest box cover, right? Okay. You just didn't know what to do. We live in a world where there's so many choices that we're confused in what to choose anymore. That's undeniable, and it's hard to navigate. So what do I mean that we are living in a day and age of paradox? What does this mean for the world around us? Well, possibly the best example I can give you is is through technology. That's a really good example. Technology has managed to connect all of us together in ways that I've never imagined, in ways that you can't even imagine and there's more to imagine coming at us. Now because of technology, I can now view something in real time on the other side of the world that's happening with maybe, I don't know, a 10 minute latency, I don't know. But I can be affected by something in real time that's happening on the other side of the world now. I could be traumatized by an event happening elsewhere because of technology. That is some serious stuff to consider. That has really never happened before. That you can open up your phone and be traumatized by something you're seeing that is happening on the other side of the world. Think about that. I could easily develop a relationship with someone from another country in a different language, all from my phone. And not in a matter of, like, over a period of month. I'm talking about, give me a half hour. I'll tag someone, okay? I'll find someone in another country, speaking another language on my phone, and I will be able to have a conversation and develop a relationship with someone. We are connected. And technology has done that. And one of the biggest reasons why social media has gained so much popularity is the claim that it keeps people connected. Well, hooray to that. Because I'm connected to people in ways I don't want to be connected, all right? I now know the daily habits of people who hang out on social media all day, and I cannot unsee or unread the things that they do. My goodness. Thanks for that. I'm glad you're late for work. You might want to get off of social media. I'm glad you forgot how to tie your shoes. Why is this important to me? I really don't care. Yeah, there are some things I don't care about. That's one of them, right? Social media, it's just, it's maddening. So where's the paradox here if we're all connected? Well, here it is. We live in a world that is so connected more than ever, but yet the people are more disconnected more than ever. In fact, the new ideology is that we have to now disconnect, or unplug is the word, in order to reconnect with each other. There's a paradox. Do you see it? You have to disconnect in order to reconnect in the connected world. It's madness. It's madness. We also live in a world where information abounds. It is literally everywhere now with so much information you would think that it is a great benefit wow we got information left and right we know what to make of everything but is that really the case you know i mean we 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 go out this it's like well we have so much information we have so much to learn anymore and you would think with all this information that people will be able to get to the truth a lot better But how many perspectives can you really have before the truth gets confused, right? It turns out that too much information has made the truth more difficult to discover. And we now have more misinformation. I've never heard that term before until recently, within the past few years. I didn't grow up hearing the word misinformation. And that word has literally become a part Of like, I can't go by a week without reading a word like that on the news. You've been misinformed. This is misinformation. So it turns out that too much information hides the truth, and it leads to misinformation. Did you ever think that you can gather so much information that you you just don't know what to think, and you don't know what to decide anymore because you've been overwhelmed? We have been overwhelmed with too much information, Here's another thing about the paradoxical world that we live in. Amidst all the confusion, everything that we just mentioned, the, wor- the world is pushing for authenticity. Authenticity, which is the quest to find your true self and then live into your true self. And this, this has actually permeated the church, okay, it really has, where, where, wherever you say, God made me this way and therefore I embrace it. Problems and all. So God gave you those problems, so you have those problems. I tend to think that the creator, the great creator of the universe, has created a creature, human beings, so advanced that we're able to overcome problems, not embrace our problems. And besides, when God created Adam and Eve, when he created the first, they were the only ones that God created in his image. After that, sin entered into the picture. And therefore, now we are a mixture. Our our identities are made up of a mixture between being fallen and good. So, what are you going to embrace? Because I believe that Jesus came and he says, Do not embrace your issues, overcome your issues. So when we hear the term, God made me this way, well, you know, okay, part of us is fallen. So what does a perfect God and all, you know, good God have to do with that? I'll tell you what, he gave you the power through the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ to, to not embrace the obstacle, but overcome the obstacle. God sees your potential, and trust me, your potential is not in embracing the wrongs. We need to love each other and overcome them. I hope that was communicated properly just now. It's a very complicated thing that goes all the way back to the garden. So be your true self. Well that sounds great, doesn't it? (laughs) It sounds great, doesn't it? But listen, the problem with this within the world, the ones, the world that is pushing authenticity, be your true self is trying to tell you who you are, okay? Be your true self. And by the way, if you fit into the mold that we're pushing at you, you're good to go. If you don't put, fit in with that, if you're different or if you think different in any matter, you're on the outs. So your true authenticity is what we determine it to be. That's really what's going on, right? If you don't fit in, uh, sorry, later. You're on the outs, So it turns out that the world is proclaiming equality, but for only those who agree. That's either a paradox or gross hypocrisy. I can't decide between the two, maybe both. And it abounds as well, hypocrisy. What the quest for authenticity boils down to is the quest for identity, right? To know yourself. And now more than ever, human beings in general are experiencing an identity crisis. There is an identity crisis going on. And you might be thinking, oh, he's going in a specific direction right now. No, I'm not. To be clear, I'm referring to just simply not knowing where you fit into this world. That you are a puzzle piece and you can't find any specific place where you fit in. That's an identity crisis. These days, people identify themselves with their occupation, as if that determines who they are. What if you're a warden, <laughs> you know, or, or something like that? What if you have an what if What if you're, you know, you're part of the trash removal system? Okay, who, what does that say about you? You're not your occupation. That's what you do. Even for me, as a pastor, does, you know, being a pastor does not determine my identity. That's what I am called to do. I am so much more than that. You are so much more than that. Who I am, and I've given this a lot of thought. Who am I? What is my identity in this world? You know what? Who I am is reliant largely upon my relationships. It really is. And my personhood, and my convictions, and my belief that God knows me better than I know myself. But I want to talk about relationships for a second, because I have relationships, I have a lot. There are people that I know, okay, just kind of in a distance, and there are people that are very close to me. And I'll tell you what, the people that know me from a distance do not get to determine my identity, The world does not get to determine my identity because they see me doing something. They can lift that totally out of context. But if you are living in relationship with me, if you are walking with me side by side, going through thick and thin, going through the the, the troubled waters, seeing me at my worst, seeing me overcome that, helping me overcome that. Seeing me break down, seeing you break down in heartache and suffering and then sticking by you side by side all the way through, that's the person that can determine your identity because they can say, I've seen them at their worst and you know what? They made it through and they came out the other end with a different character that I admire. You know what the world likes to do? The world likes to judge you at your worst and throw you to the curb before you make it out the other end. Let's find that person at the worst and just rip them apart instead of helping them get through it. They don't get to determine who you are. The people that don't know you, do not walk with you, do not get to determine who you are. Your family does. Your loved one does. Jesus does. God does. And that brings me to a really big paradox right there. God knows you better than you know yourself. Well, how's that a paradox? Think about it. That even though you, here's a wordplay for you, right? Let this rattle around your heads. Even though you are you, God, who is not you, knows you better than you know yourself. I've got to repeat that because I'm saying, what? Yeah, it's a paradox. Even though, God, even though you are you, yourself, God, who is not you, knows you better than you know yourself. you got to trust in that. So, yeah, the day and age we are living in is engulfed in paradox. It's an upside-down world. (laughs) It really is. It's very strange. You think it ends there? Because then we have the world of the Bible, which is another strange place. If you read the Bible and you're like, this is completely normal, it's not. It's, It's a strange place with its very own paradoxes. It's a world so distant. From us through culture, time, language, place. It's a world of gods and kings. It's a world of supernatural stories of both good and evil, and you have to determine which one is good and which is evil, what is right and what is wrong. And it contains its own, again, it contains its own set of paradoxes. And here's one that stands right at the foundation of our Christian beliefs. You ready for this? God is one, but in three persons that's a hard one to grasp god is one but in three persons and that is what we refer to as the great trinitarian paradox but here's the thing it's one that i don't fully understand but it's one that i choose to accept you see that i don't understand that which i truly accept that is faith i don't have to have the explanation to everything and we live in a world that would rather make up something than tell you the truth. Because we're so prideful that we want answers for everything. I don't have the answer to this, but you know what? God does. And that's good enough for me. It really is. Strange paradox. But then here's, the, here's this one. Then we have the truth of the Bible. And I will be the first to tell you that even that is difficult to get at sometimes. The truth of the Bible. That's a weird statement, but think about this. The fact that we have so many different denominations that have happened throughout the history of the church is is testimony of that. People do not agree on what the truth, on what the Bible is saying. So there the church splinters and it tears away. And so we are divided because we can't determine and agree on what the the truth is. Thank God we can agree on Jesus the Christ, who is the truth but we have divided because we can't get at it it's very difficult and that's another paradox there is one united church but many are divided within the united church but nevertheless it's one church what? it's strange right? So what I didn't want to do is say that we live in a world of paradox, but the, you know, the, the Bible is without it. It's not. And this is what we've been working our way up to. And I think we should all you know, do well to think on this. We are caught between two very strange worlds. <laughs> we really are. And it's almost as if we're caught in the crossfire. The world we presently view as reality, which is full of contradictions... And the world of the Bible, which contradicts the world of contradictions. Those are the two worlds. And the world of the Bible goes against everything that the world teaches. It really does. It might seem in line for moments, but eventually the world just shifts because it's capricious. The world can't make up his mind, but at least the Bible does. The Bible sets the truth. We're the ones who like to take the truth off the shelf and ask that age-old question, did God really say? <laughs> we do that. By the way, misinformation began in Genesis um, 3 in the garden. Did God really say? Subjectivity and relativity, you know, and, and you know everything is relative. What do you think? What is your opinion? It doesn't matter. It's what God says. Misinformation and all this stuff you see in the world began there. This is nothing new. Our scripture um, sentence speaks of a citizenship, and we've arrived here. Because you don't belong to this world, do you? Where is your citizenship? Is it in the world right now, or is it in or is it in the Bible? Is it elsewhere? Our scripture sentence today is from Philippians 320. And it reads, but there is far more to life for us. Oh man, there's so much, what's that saying? There's so much, there's something better for us in store. We are citizens of high heaven. We are awaiting the arrival of the Savior, the Master, Jesus Christ. Christians belong to a far different world. A world that we wait for. But while we wait, we need to be proper citizens. Agreed? Amen to that? And I believe that the scripture passage today addresses the world we live in beautifully. Listen, listen to these words. And by the way, it's Paul speaking to Timothy. Timothy um, had a congregation. He wrote to Paul about his congregation, and Paul's giving him advice. That's what's going on here, okay? Um, and Paul speaking, he says, Timothy, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message, Timothy. Be persistent whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince Timothy, rebuke Timothy, and encourage the people with the utmost patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. And it's very interesting where Paul says that the time is coming, we like to look at it and say, well, prophecy, we're waiting for that time and I think it's now, not necessarily in that voice. (laughs) I don't know where that voice just came from. Okay, but that's prophetic, there it is again. All right, can't help it. Listen, we like to say that that time has arrived now as if it was prophetic and it's not. The truth is, Paul was giving Timothy this advice. He was saying, Timothy, eventually this is going to happen to you in your setting, among your people, That people will not put up with sound doctrine and will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires. Teachers that just align with what we want, what we desire. You know what that's called? That's called worshiping your preferences and not worshiping God. This unfortunately happens in every age all of the time. And it's, it's, it's happened in every church, I would say. But here's the thing. What Paul knew was that the people were caught between two worlds. The world around them and the world that God was inviting them into through Jesus the Christ. We live in what appears to be an ever-growing presence of, of, unfavorable, of unfavorable times. Do we not? We do. Everything seems upside down and people are calling evil good and good evil and proclaiming that dark is light and light is dark and that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. This is the world we live in but not the world we belong to our citizenship is in the high heaven and we belong to god who has given us his son jesus the christ this promise of heaven has been sealed by his holy spirit who resides in all who believe all of you and i pray that every one of you embrace your true citizenship in heaven amen amen people